Traveling the Vortex We join the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 555. And short of a red-hot poker, this podcast is a direct route from the people's ears to your hearts. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going? Pretty good. Getting your pokers all heated up? <laughs> Got mine in the fire stoking right now. Nice. I'm still trying to find a format that will do me justice. <laughs> you just need one that will let you be louder. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody do anything this week? We had another short time between recordings, so... Not a lot of time to do stuff, but I didn't do a darn thing, so I'll just start off. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Me neither. I got my Disney reservations made. Oh, good. Like for, for the restaurants and all that jazz. Yeah, so. that's exciting. Now, hey, question. Glenn, you were down there relatively recently, right? <laughs> 12 or was years, it Keith who went down? Which, which one? <laughs> oh, then I've, you never, were the... I've never been. So <laughs> You've never been at all. Yeah. Well, you two are worthless to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For any of our listeners out there that would like to help a fellow Disney file, uh, are the make-your-own lightsabers at Galaxy's Edge worth it? Are they like master replica quality, or are they more like, no, you're, it's, a, it's a toy? Uh, get get back to me and let me know. Just from the YouTube videos that I've watched of people making them and reviewing them, it sounds like it's probably somewhere in the middle. Hmm. Is it only the hilt, or do you get a blade, too? Oh, you get a blade, too. Oh, okay. I wouldn't do you much good without that blade. Well, if you get to design your own hilts, that's pretty cool. How am I supposed to go strike down Kylo Ren if I don't have a blade? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do a very good job if I didn't get a blade. <laughs> no, uh, I, I had told Mel that that was kind of the one thing. It's like, expensive, I know it's expensive, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a 200 and some odd dollar experience, mm. you know, or plus. And I was like, well... That'll be my souvenir, but I, that's that's what I want. And she was okay with that. Um, and then tonight, actually, Shy saw a little thing on Disney Channel um, about the Bill Jerome Droid Factory. Mm-hmm. That's what I and want. And now to do. <laughs> she's real excited over that, even though I know that those are toys. It's like, yeah. well, I guess if it's a choice between me getting something or her getting something, she's yeah. going to win because she always wins. <laughs> the droid's what I want. I think the droid's cool. But I'd rather if it's if it's if it's a toy lightsaber or kind of an in between thing, I, I'd rather just walk into the shop and buy one. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Other than that, we didn't do anything either. We got a new car finally Ooh. to replace the G six because well, the G six which was with Caitlin was driving went out way back in like October, and actually it was going out, and I started driving it in. August and sent her back to school with the Ultima, which is the one I used to drive. And then the G6 finally went out. So we'd been borrowing my parents' car. They had a spare car. Of course, they're, they're not, they don't drive it. It's, it sits in their garage all the time because they've got two cars <laughs> and they only drive one car. But we'd been borrowing it for a while. And I just looking for something else we could afford. But, you know, cars have been so hard to get a hold of and used cars for sure and then yeah ridiculous expensive high rates on interest rates on loan but we finally found something in our price range a 2017 kia sportage it's um navy blue really pretty so 
Nice. We finally nice. got it. You also now have a TARDIS. Yes. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it's a darker one, but. It's a blue vehicle. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. Well, we didn't have any news happening this week, so uh, and I don't think anybody did any uh, something new two-minute review materials. So let's move on and uh, just get right to the uh, meat of our discussion, which is our Beep the Meep Adversary Archive. Wouldn't that make it the meep of our discussion? <laughs> <laughs> of course, we uh, reviewed the uh, Star Beast and the comic strip adaptations of Doctor Who and the Star Beast um, just a few weeks back. So we will maybe just refer back to those, but we're not going to obviously re-review those. But this week we did... A set of uh, pieces to kind of wrap out, wrap up Beep's um, storyline. We did Beep. The Meep gets three thousand years. Star Beast Two, The Ratings War, TV Action, and Who on Earth is Beep the Meep? And uh, we're going to do these somewhat in chronological order. So let's start with the the little blurb in the uh, Doctor Who Weekly number thirty, which is Beep the Meep gets three thousand years. Which is really just kind of a, a, a funny, like, newspaper clipping, really. <laughs> and Glenn just recapped the story for yeah, you. That's pretty much it. <laughs> no, I thought this was kind of neat. Actually, when we put this archive together, I uh, came across this one late. And so I added it because I thought it was kind of cute. And the reason I added it or found it is because it's alluded to in one of the other things that we're going to review. But um, I'm going to even just read this one. This will be the first time we read something in full that we're reviewing. Meet the Meat <laughs> gets 3,000 years. A galactic court sat yesterday to hear the case against one of the deadliest outlaws ever known. Beep the Meat. The the I love how it says the Wrath Warriors, which is already wrong. The Warwith <laughs> Warriors, uh, Sergeant Zogroth and Constable Grieg, who first formed the Galactic Law Enforcement Posse that was eventually successful in capturing the Meep, gave evidence against him. Throughout the trial, Beep growled and hurled abuse at the jury. Judge Strickler Skaggs said that it was one of the worst cases he had heard in centuries. The Meep will serve a 3,000-year sentence in one of the universe's top security prisons. So this kind of picks up and and gives you a little what happened after Star Beast um, (laughs) vibe, which I thought was kind of cool and kind of clever. I'm glad that I found it because it it really kind of is a neat start to everything that we're getting ready to review as well. Yeah, it's really cool. Nice little recap. Had I stumbled upon it, you know, while reading Doctor Who magazine, I would have been really impressed that they yeah. just included a quick little thing like that. Really excited about it. Well, and you know what? Uh, the, the the part that 
I was most excited by was the idea that the 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 warriors that we see in Star Beast it, it, they're not just you know they're not just policemen they're not just the Jadoon coming together no 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 these are the guys that formed the posse yeah right <laughs> which brings to mind Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid it's the floors and the straw hat and now I want a story where Beep the Meep is on the run from these guys <laughs> you know all the, the misadventures that happen to be for Star Beast with just them chasing him. Uh, that would be fun. It would. Of course, the next little bit that uh, features Beep is the uh, Star Beast 2, which is actually a uh, follow-up to the Star Beast. Um, this, although, is not a, uh ongoing story. It is one... Uh, encapsulated uh, comic in Doctor Who yearbook 1996. Who wants to go first on this one? I enjoyed this one. I thought it was a, a fun revisit of the character, albeit a kind of briefer story and him kind of, you know, being true to form. It was... I was glad that they addressed the fact of how he got out of prison mm -hmm. and the way he, you know, manipulates everyone as he always attempts to. And then just the, you know, the simple aspect of it, of him going back to Earth and wanting to uh, get his Black Star drive back to enslave and the doctor just happened to be there and dispatching him fairly quickly in a fairly easy manner, but it was enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of unique too, how um, he captured him kind of a bit silly, but also kind of uh, different. I mean, it's not something that you see very often trapping him in a, uh, a Lassie film. <laughs> yeah. Not entirely sure how that works, but Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, <laughs> comics. Uh, we get a reunion with Fudge, who's now uh, fully grown and working in the uh, theater. I, I'm, I'm stuck on the, it was a little silly, but I'll allow it. <laughs> it's like, we are talking about Beep the Meep. Right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> it was also any, a little silly, and I'll allow him. <laughs> yes. That's, any element of this story is like, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that, that's that's the endearing quality of Beep the Meep, is that mm. he, he's just so ridiculous. Um, most think, high, think, of course, think, but ridiculous. I think he's... Fairly, it's a fairly clever concept for a villain. I mean, the unassuming, cute nature of him, you know, puts people on their back foot. And once, you know, it's kind of like sometimes some cats are this way. You know, you, you think they're cute and adorable, and then they turn out to be evil. <laughs> he's the same way. <laughs> yep. So just for the record, you're con con uh, comparing Beep the Meep to a cat. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a cat. He's definitely a cat, okay. <laughs> you don't think so? Oh, no. If, if, I, if I were to, uh, if I were to, you know, classify him as an animal, he's not a dog, that's for sure. He's yeah. definitely, definitely more cat-like. And chinchillas, while he looks like a chinchilla, chinchillas aren't that evil. <laughs> he's a mix between a cat and a chinchilla. <laughs> <laughs> he has a cat's soul and a chinchilla's body. <laughs> 
You know, you, you we talk about how kind of silly it is he trapped it in a film, but at least they tried to explain. I mean, it's very techno babble and very blah. No, that's not really how that works that way. But at least they give us some techno babble to give some uh, meaning to why it works. <laughs> yeah, since the black light drive and all of that doesn't quite make sense anyways, you right. can just kind of hand wave it away to go, yeah, it's more b- weird black light stuff. Right. It's just going to absorb the black light. It did the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I see that they chose to go with the color of meat from the, um, I think we decided that that was from the classic comics uh, run because he is the snow white color in this one. So we get uh, a white meep in this, which is funny because then we return to <laughs> one of the other colors later, but not before we do Doctor Who Magazine 283, which featured Beep the Meep in TV Action, which automatically I, I thought this was kind of clever because of its name, because TV Action was the uh, <laughs> uh, periodical that the third Doctor comics, and I, maybe even some of the uh, second Doctor comics, um, made their um, original debuts in. So I thought that was kind of clever to use that name. And then uh, featuring the Eighth Doctor and Iz- Izzy. Sean, you start this one. This is your your one of your favorites, favorite Doctors anyway. It is one of my favorite Doctors and true to form. He's awesome as always. <laughs> um, artwork took a little getting used to just because of the kind of uh, very quick down and dirty nature for which this one was drawn. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, minor niggle. Uh, fun story. Um, yet another kind of insane peep the meat plot at least um, he's in an alternate universe this time yes that is true no he ends up in an alternate universe and and, yeah. and the image of him uh, uh smoking the cigar is uh one for the ages i think <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised they got away with that i mean obviously the uh, uh the, the uk is is far more advanced than us poor americans when it comes to social issues and things <laughs> but I, well, I'm sure it, Mary Winehouse was somewhere going, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> this was this would have been released in 1999. So I think even here, the, the, you know, even here, I think there was still a, a relaxed feeling about that sort of thing. I think you would have even seen comic characters and, and not kiddie stuff, but more a little more mature comics would have uh, likely had that here in the U.S. as well. I think it's interesting there's there's a trend that that kind of runs through these where all of these stories wind up being a little meta. Mm-hmm. Uh some yeah. a lot meta. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I <laughs> some wonder more if than that's, others. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if that's just the authors feeling a need to break that wall a little more because it's beep the meep. That you know, for, for all of his uh uh, a vile verbiage that he, he's really not that threatening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although obviously he is threatening. I mean, you don't give somebody who's not threatening 3000 years in a, <laughs> a maximum security prison, <laughs> but uh, you know, up against the doctor, he's not much so far, at least that we've seen. Right. right. But um, I thought it was interesting that they, they kind of kept revisiting this idea of um, eschewing reality slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you know, doing a wink, wink, nudge, nudge while we're at it. 
because you know beef's not ridiculous enough on its own. No, we have to. Well, and we're going to do a TV show of the TV show <laughs> that we're doing fan fiction of. <laughs> well, and this one leans into it a lot more than any any of the well, maybe with the exception of the last thing that we'll do. But this one really <laughs> leans into it heavy. And this particular story actually sort of reminds me of something that you would find in Mad Magazine. It's almost even down to the uh, artwork. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah, and that's that that's, that's the first thing that when you were saying just such down and dirty crude, but it, that's that's what it feels like. In fact, it almost feels like they were sort of trying to invoke that uh, Mad Magazine uh, lampooning kind of um, cartoon or, or or comic strip vibe. Um, it's I, very much in that style. Yeah, and I think it very much the the story, especially where it goes, is too. And I think that as three Americans, even as much British television as I'm familiar with, three Americans just really can't appreciate probably some of the Easter eggs that are in here. Some of the some of the people that they encounter. Um, obviously, the ones that I recognize were the "Are you being served?" Uh, group. Um, but there's, there are a ton of, of probably seventies and eighties cameo, um, television cameos that just went over my head. In fact, I had to look some of them up just cause I was like, there are gotta be a lot in here and there really are <laughs> <laughs> all the way down to Tom Baker playing the doctor, uh, in this alternate universe, <laughs> Yep, <laughs> which I thought was a neat little surprise and turnaround. <laughs> Yeah, the fact that, that it wasn't just a one and done little cameo, that the fact that they brought him in and helped him be part of the resolution of the right, story, I thought was clever right. too. And they really kind of bring it back around to the end because they, she, Izzy gives him a, a magazine, which is the one that we first read for Star Beast, which is what uh, Beep, the Meep is in. That's right down to the magazine cover and everything. So. <laughs> Beep's Full debut. Circle. Well, don't think I'm backtracking here because I think Sean, or not Sean, Keith convinced me that this is probably as interchangeable. So we went the other way with this. Um, the next one we're going to do is uh, the ratings war, which, again, we're doing more TV related stuff. Um, <laughs> but I kind of felt that uh, when Keith and off this was prior to the show, we were talking about it. And Keith mentioned that you could almost interchange this one with the ratings war because this one's an eighth doctor story. And ratings war is the sixth doctor story, but when you look at it from a certain perspective, like Beep only remembers the fourth doctor from uh, in uh, TV action, and so you can kind of relate it that way as well. So I don't think it, I'm, I'm I don't think it matters which way, but that's the way we're going to go. So the next one is the plus. Rating. It looks according to Wiki, uh, it was released in this order too. TV action was released before ratings. Oh, war. it was. Oh, okay, yeah. So well, then that makes there's sense. another good argument for it. Yeah, there you go. This is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am C.D. Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersberg and your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. You are invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard Podcast. 
Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Gobranson, Asad Cheshki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. I do have a synopsis for Radio's yep, War. let's hear it. Beep the Meep is back, and he's found a new channel for his aggression. A brand new series is about to make television history, but can the Doctor prevent his furry foe from turning a docudrama into a crisis? Or will the fluffy, wuffy animals get it in the neck? The first shots in the Radio War have been fire- fired, and the next one is aimed at your head. Pum, pum, pum. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about <laughs> I had a lot of fun listening to this one. I did too. This is the one I think though that takes itself the most serious. I don't think yes. that, I mean it there there is some humor in here, but there's it's really kind of a dark heavy story and it really kind of gives Meep the um very malicious thing person identity that he is um and takes it, you know, really pushes the envelope on that uh, psychotic evil little bean which if i had to fault it for anything it's the fact that because it's a shorter story it's a lot of the two of them just talking to each other mm-hmm. instead of things actually happening mm-hmm. and even down to the fact of the doctor just bluffing his way into you know the resolution the fact that he didn't actually go and sabotage anything before he showed up which i thought was clever when it happened but it's still like a well it's still he didn't not really doing anything in this story right exactly (laughs) but the sixth doctor and meep pairs so well together it's so fun listening to them banter back and forth that i didn't mind it Mm -hmm. i agree see i kind of float back and forth on that one um on the one hand I, i absolutely agree that um beep mainly because he likes to listen to himself talk i think um it's so he and the sixth doctor are very well matched in that regard and having them sit around and talk is is enjoyable um but from an overall plot standpoint um yeah there wasn't much here and so we get the shorter story but then it felt like fully half of that story was the on-air talent reporter or should I say talentless reporter, um, <laughs> prattling on about this reality show that apparently, like myself, nobody cared about. <laughs> and then there's the, this was really, when it started, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure that we hadn't already listened to this. Mm. And I thought, why does this sound familiar? And then it finally hit me that it's the seventh Doctor story that's set in a a TV or a radio station with mm-hmm. a reality program, mm-hmm. like a gladiatorial combat. I can't remember the yes. name of it. No, I, um, yeah, I know the one you're talking about, but I can't remember. It, it has a uh, number in it. Um, mm, maybe it'll come but, to me later. Yeah, that that kept coming back in and intruding, like, we've done this before, we've done this before, we've done this before, and I had to, like, shut up, brain, just <laughs> go for the rest. <laughs> Meep's here, you know? Um, and it, I, it feels weird to say this, but after a while, Meep even started to grade on my nerves just a little bit. The mm-hmm. the 
the, the voice. And I, I had that horrible thought when the doctor says the line, it was like, yeah, I, I kind of think, and this was, of course, I, I revealed pre-podcast that I did these completely out of order. And so the first thing that I exposed myself to for this uh, archive was who on earth is Beep the Meep? <laughs> That's so the I got worst the whole way to do it because you spoiled it for yourself. Yeah, I, I spoiled <laughs> everything. Um, and and Beep has the comment about, well, I think you know, or you know, would you go to television? And he says, <laughs> oh, I don't need to go to television. That would be a step backwards. Uh, you know, how can you improve upon the medium of comics or whatever? However, he phrases it, which I thought a was very funny, considering he is going to TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I was to make a comment, quote unquote in universe about that beep the meep interview would be like well i guess money talks <laughs> um, and then he would come back with no it was just a really good script at any rate uh, but i i kind of thought yeah i think maybe he's right i think maybe comics is kind of the perfect format for 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 beep because in a in a story I don't know that without, I, I think without the visuals, I don't think he, he works quite as well. And in audio, he was a little grating and annoying just because of the, you know, well, yeah, that's what he sounds like. He sounds like a a, a, a squeaky chipmunk. And um, I'm not sure how to go on TV. I'll be really curious to see if they can pull it off or not. But comics yeah. is kind of the sweet spot for that, so... Yeah. Um, I so, think a little, little bit of a mixed feeling. I still enjoyed it. I don't I, want to take that away from it. But. I, I see where you're coming from, and I think that comics is certainly the best. But I, for me, it worked really well in this. In fact, I was a little surprised. I kind of went into this with a little bit of trepidation, thinking that it wasn't going to, even though we've had, we were listened to the Starbeast audio um, adaptation. But when you're, you're working from some, something previous and you have the, benefit of having already read the comics so you kind of have the visualization in your head is one thing but this one i kind of thought i don't is this going to work very well and i thought it worked really well i i agree that there's it doesn't really go anywhere because everything is kind of from two perspectives everything's predestined because beep's been you know orchestrating this for what he says like six months he said he's been had this guy under his control but also the doctor's also been you know <laughs> uh three steps ahead of Meep as well. So all of this worked out in the way that it was just had to work out because both of them had uh, plans in place. But I I kind of, I'm, I'm like Keith, I liked the interaction between Beep and the Sixth Doctor. And I think that besides the Fourth Doctor, the Sixth Doctor is the only one that I think, in audio anyway, would play off as well as this. And so I, I, I really kind of, I appreciated that. I liked that about it. Um, and I, I like how dark it got. I like that they talked, he talked about how he got out of the film, um, when the, the girl was watching the, um, the, the print that the Warrath had and he ends up killing her to get out because she called him cuddly wuddly or something. I don't remember exactly what she said, uh, <laughs> snuggly, snuggly something. Anyway, that was just hearing that. I was like, Oh, that's, that's pretty gruesome. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, it, I think he talked about how it, her brain seeped out of her nose or something. And I thought, oh, wow, that's just, that's pretty intense. And um, it the in the comics, the stakes are high, but they don't seem near as high as they do in this audio. And I think part of that's because of the, the dramatization of it and, and taking itself a little more serious 
really kind of makes the gravity of the situation a little more desperate and a little more real. And so I, I really liked that about it as well. Yeah, I think, I'll give you. I'll give you that one. I think it. I don't know how well the story would have worked had I not known who Beep the Meep was. Mm-hmm. If like this was just, I picked up this story as the freebie that like it was originally released and had not read anything comic wise. I don't think I probably would have liked it as much. But knowing what Beep looks like, knowing what Beep is like, I think that helps helped me enjoy the story a little bit more. Well, and that's it, essentially. It's, you know, it, it's a freebie. It's essentially one giant Easter egg of a story mm-hmm. that, you know, here's this thing that we did, and some of you will remember this. And, um, you know, the as Glenn said, the kind of back and forth between them where it's all predestined is almost um, Curse of Fatal Death. Well, I went back and talked to the architect, and, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's a lot happening with nothing going on mm-hmm. because you're talking about the events that happened off screen, so... But it's Meep, so it works. And The Sixth Doctor, I think, was very enjoyable. Maybe just because of other homework that's coming up, but being in a Sixth Doctor headspace, it suited him so well. And I really enjoyed his speech at the end <laughs> with all of the, the meta references <laughs> they crammed in there. That was, that was really nice. That was fun. And true. I mean, yes, <laughs> it, it does really kind of the audio is a better medium for the sixth doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on and talk about, even though uh, Sean's already kind of brought some of it up, but um, <laughs> there was in uh, Doctor Who magazine issue 419, which was only, well, it was 2010, so 13 years ago, but it's probably the most recent, besides the Star Beast that's coming out, uh, thing that's featured Beep the Meep. And um, it's Who on Earth is Beep the Meep? And uh, Who on Earth, I think, is a ongoing segment in Doctor, or was an ongoing segment in Doctor Who magazine. And this time they chose to do almost kind of a in-universe, in-IRL uh, conversation with Beep. So it's the interviewer uh, reviewing Beep, or interviewing Beep, and uh, getting his, um, uh, basically going over his life story and talking about um, where he is from now. They recap the because uh, he turned thirty. It looks like yeah, that's right. That's right. It was quite the exclusive. <laughs> um, of course, then they the, for the most part, it, it's it's a recap of lo- of a lot of things that that you know already happened. Um, we get the discussing about the uh, event in Blackpool or uh, Black Castle. Sorry, not Blackpool. Black Castle, which is the um, first one from the Star Beast, and then um, move on to talk about. Uh, the little short. In fact, I think this is where I had discovered the little cutout uh, and went back and found it. And that's when I added it is after I'd read this. Um, but talking about the little, how he um, you know, he got the 3,000 years and then um, after he was paroled. So they talk a little bit about Star Beast 2 and then um, uh, moves on to, uh, they even talk about the ratings war and the, oh, well, they make a couple of, I, I should mention there, there are a couple of other, um, and, and this makes a slight mention of those and, but not enough that I felt that it still even needed to have been included, but, um, beep does appear in a couple of other things, party animals and a life of matter, uh, yeah, life of matter and death. And, but they're, little cameos or like little like blink and you miss him for one and one where i think he has 
like one little balloon of dialogue, but it's almost kind of a, a, a in joke or a cameo. Yeah. Um, cameo joke. And so I kind of left those out, but this article does, uh, at least to party animals refers to party animals, which is one of those. So I just, I, I thought it was kind of fun, especially for a 30th to do something a little meta and a little out of, out of, you know, character. I don't know that I would consider this canonical as if, if we're going to count beep the meep <laughs> as canon, <laughs> I don't know that I would, I would, I would keep that, but uh, going to what Sean was talking about earlier, I just, I just thought how funny 13 years ago, this reviewer's asking him <laughs> if, t- you know, he's done, all, he's done comic strips, he's done audio is TV next. And I just, I start, I got giggling when I was, when I was <laughs> talking about this. And it says, uh, I never really thought of Doctor Who on TV as being canonical. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, I'm afraid. And anyway, they'd probably do me in CGI, <laughs> which they're completely doing. And I'm giggling at this. And I had to finally, like, uh, my family's sitting there looking at me like, what are you doing? Because I'm reading this. And, and I was like, oh, I've got, so I had to relay it to him. And they all thought it was kind of funny, too, that it got so meta unintentionally <laughs> so many years ago. One has to wonder if, uh, RDT, you know, obviously was a big reader of Dr. Who magazine back in the day. And, you know, did, did that stick with him? Mm-hmm. And as he was writing the script, he was giggling. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. I'll show you beep. <laughs> I'm totally going to do you in CGI. <laughs> but I also love the fact that they call out, he calls out that, you know, you know, Starbeast 2, and it was great to work in color because, you know, the first story was in black and white, even though they colorized and colored him wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's not blue. Which we <laughs> that made me laugh and think of you, Glenn. Mm-hmm. And then they 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 show the little uh, shot of him here in chains, and he's purple. Yet <laughs> a different color. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then just the fact that you know he gets free and kills the interviewer. Mm-hmm, right. I mean, it, it could only they could only end that way. It's like the perfect ending. <laughs> yeah. Ken Book was the interviewer. R.I.P. Ken. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, Beep the Meep, I think, is a fun character that I don't think you can do a lot with. I think what they've done so far, I don't think Beep could be a reoccurring bad guy in the way that they've done a lot of the reoccurring bad guys. But I think that the way that they've treated him in the mediums that he's been in so far, I think, are a lot of fun and nice little nods to the character, um, you know, that probably um, became endeared upon in in those you know that first uh star beast story that people probably read when they were kids and and clapped onto that and it'll be interesting to see how uh rtd adapts it for television and does uh beep on tv i think that there's room for one more foray into uh the doc the yeah doctor canon i think that works i think that hopefully it works and but i don't see them being able to go on beyond this and make Beep a, a recurring character, even in television. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's really going to wind up being an adaptation of the first story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially after reading everything else. I don't see what else he could potentially come up with 
to tell a story with Beep the Meep. I feel like we've kind of we've gone on down all the avenues we can go. I'd I'd like to be pleasantly surprised, but I think even if it is just an adaptation, I think it will be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I tell you, Beep really uh, he's kind of a hairy mud Star Trek mm, level yeah. villain where. You know, you get one or two appearances, maybe three, if you can really push it out and come, you know, create something special. And all of these little appearances essentially amount to the same. It's the same get up, you know, mm-hmm. Beep is, oh, cute and cuddly, but he's harboring this, uh, the, the, this horrific message of, uh, you know, pain and, and, and murder and I'm going to kill everybody. And so I, I kind of... <laughs> I don't think they'll do this in the in the TV special. I think obviously it's going to be. I I think it's well, it's the Starbeast. It's not the Starbeast three. So right, <laughs> I, I think we're going to get an adaptation of it. Um, as much as I would like to see an, an extended, you know, let's let's see where Beep's at now, thirty years further on. And, um, but I kind of would like to see Beep team up with somebody who genuinely does pose a threat i i think that would be kind of a a, a, you know because once you once you see what his what his shtick is well he's not going to surprise you with that again Mm -hmm. right you know he's never going to get one over on the doctor by being cute right right you know that that, no one's going to believe that again yeah um and so therefore he he needs to have a new you know, a new approach. And so if Beep came along and was backed with, oh, I don't know, an army of Ogrons, <laughs> you know, where he had brute strength behind him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then suddenly that could be interesting if he was not in a position of weakness, which is the other thing that we've seen throughout these appearances where he's been forced to rely on being cute because he has fallen. But if he was already the, the grand high whatever his title is and had the the might and the armies to back him up i think that could be a really interesting thing especially if that was the reveal at the end Mm -hmm. where you know this you know this army is advancing and everything's horrible and this huge strife and the doctor strides in to find who's responsible for all this and the throne spins around and it's beep the meep (laughs) that's how you suck the wind out everybody's sail with that one yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but one thing that this series of stories did do how excited are we? And the answer should be very for a Donna beep exchange. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> because she's going to call him cute when she gets over the initial shock <laughs> and he's going to go off and she's going to give it right back to him. <laughs> and I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. That'll be fun to see. <laughs> I have built this up too much in my mind now because it's going to be epic. (laughs) You want to talk verbal sparring. (laughs) Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. My name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13. That's our doctor. Then one to three hundred for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. 
putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right, Sean. Well, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we go from one adversary archive to another with the Celestial Toymaker, or as Glenn has it listed, the Toymaker, probably because it was such a long title that he typed into our schedule here. There's, there's, uh, there's a reason for that, but we'll talk about it on the next show. Oh, well, mm-hmm. there's, there, there's your hook, kitties. You'll have to tune in <laughs> to find out. That's right. Uh, we'll be reviewing Big Finish's audio adventure, The Nightmare Fair, uh, which is Lost Stories 1, along with, for extra credit, the target novelization by Graham Williams of The Nightmare Fair. Uh, Doctor Who Magazine number 192 has a short story, a brief encounter called Games, and Doctor Who Magazine number 56 has The Greatest Gamble, which is a comic, and we will cover all of that as part of an archive for our favorite troubling toy maker. Uh, then we return to uh, Once and Future in the next one, along with uh, uh, Doomsday. We get the next two hours of uh, what's happening in those 60th anniversary specials. And then uh, we return to Season 6B with the Second Doctor Adventures 2, which is a set from Big Finish. Lots to look forward to, and you can find us on our website, travelingthevortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it and become a patron of the podcast? Um, When you become a patron, you unlock more audios and specials from us. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. And then uh, make sure you join us on the various forms of social media. We are on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on TikTok. Probably soon to be on threads, too, since everybody went to threads. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, look for us on there as well, I'm sure. Anyway, anything else we want to discuss or touch on before we close this one out? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.